Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the betters box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Monday, May 10th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I want to let you know that the daily article, which you can find every day over at ATS.io, will go on hiatus from Wednesday until next Tuesday. Won't have time to dedicate to the full handicaps. I feel like I've been giving out some good information so far this season. Hasn't really translated into a lot of success, but did want to throw it out there that the daily article will take a week-long break here from Wednesday until the following Tuesday. I have every intention of still doing the Better's Box podcast on Thursday, and then, of course, the following Monday. Uh, So that should happen, should take place, but the daily article just won't have time to do it for the next week. So that will go on the shelf here for a little while. But as I said, you should still hear the Better's Box on Mondays and Thursdays here on ATS Radio. And tomorrow on Tuesday, I'll chat with Brian Blessing of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Outline. Give you something of an NHL playoff preview, some golf, some early Preakness thoughts, maybe work in some NASCAR, all kinds of good stuff on that show there with Brian. we got a lot of great content over at ATS.io for you to check out in the absence of my daily article. Situational betting tips for the remainder of the NBA and the NHL regular seasons posted over there. I'll have a golf preview for you today. UFC 262 preview, that's coming up here this weekend. NASCAR previews for you as well as the Cup Series heads over to Dover. So lots of good content coming your way over at ATS.io. And I've also been doing some futures stuff for the NFL, taking a look at the NFL MVP race, also the offensive and defensive rookie of the year prop bets over at the website. So you can check those out as well. With the betters box here on today's show, we'll start by going beyond the box score, give you a sabermetric stat of the show. We'll talk about some line moves dating back to Friday, give you a pick for tonight's action, and then a preview here of the week ahead. So let's go ahead and dive in to today's edition of Beyond the Box Score. And I teased this over the weekend, talked about it in the intro to today's article over at ATS.io. If it feels like offense is up in the month of May, that's because it is. So when we recap the April 2021 numbers, and I talked about this a lot on last week's show, the batting average, 232, the expected batting average, 248, slugging percentage, 389, expected slugging, 433, WOBA, weighted on base average, 306, ex-WOBA, 327, average exit velocity, 88.3 miles per hour, batted ball distance, 162 feet so those are the numbers that we saw in april that led to a 232 batting average 309 on base 389 slugging there were 873 home runs hit in the month of april 24.4 percent strikeout rate and an 8.9 percent walk rate so now as we look at the first nine days of the month of may Batting average up to 241, so a nine-point increase in batting average here over the first nine days of the month of May. Slugging percentage is up seven points, even though the expected slugging down 19 points. So I saw Tom Tango at Tango Tiger on Twitter actually make an update that they've changed some of the X stats over at Baseball Savant, so they have worked on them relative to this new hitting environment. So. The expected slugging going down, not a big surprise. Expected WOBA also going down, not a big surprise. But in reality, batting average is up, slugging percentage is up, and WOBA also up eight points here in the month of May. 
even though the average exit velocity has stayed the same and the batted ball distance has actually gone down five feet here in the month of May. So as I said, 232, 309, 389, your offensive slash in April, that's batting average on base and slugging. Here in May, 241 average, 319 on base. So that's up 10 points. And the slugging, as I mentioned, up seven points. Woba up to 314. We've had 286 home runs already here over the first nine days of the month. But here are the two biggest differences in the month of May. Strikeout percentages down 1.2% to 23.2 and walk rate up to 9.2 from 8.9. So fewer strikeouts, more walks. The batting average is up nine points. So it is not your imagination. Offense is up here in the month of May. Now hitters are hitting more ground balls and fewer fly balls here in the month of May than they did relative to the month of April. The home run per fly ball percentage up a half a percent from 13.4 to 13.9. So what do we make of all of this? Well, I think for one thing, hitters are starting to make their adjustments. You know, I think that they realize that hitting fly balls is not going to have as big of an impact as it has had in previous seasons. So guys may be changing their launch angles, changing their swing paths a little bit. Timing has probably gotten better as well. You know, early on in April, Not only are we dealing with the really bad weather, but also hitters have maybe 60 plate appearances, 50 or 60 plate appearances coming out of spring training. Well, now they've played almost six weeks worth of games. So timing has improved for a lot of hitters. I think that's a big possibility as to why, or big cause, I should say, as to why these numbers have gone up a little bit. But ultimately, more balls in play. You know, and and even though the baseball has changed dramatically, it's not carrying nearly as much. You know, we have that record low BABIP, that record low batting average. More balls in play is still a good thing. I mean, you know, you put balls in play and anything can kind of happen here. And this also may be an adjustment from pitchers that are maybe going to more of a pitch-to-contact style, knowing that batted balls aren't going to hurt them as much. So both sides making a lot of adjustments here. Weather factors could be playing a role as well. But you would expect a ball with increased drag to struggle through the thicker, more humid air. And there have been a lot of games with higher humidities here with all the precipitation in the forecast and just kind of all the rain that we've gotten in a lot of areas here of late. So a lot of potential causes. But the biggest one to me is that the strikeout rate has gone down, at least over the first nine days of May. And Maybe that's something where hitters are getting a little bit more aggressive. You know, you get buried with two strikes nowadays, and it's very, very difficult with the premier velocity that's out there, the breaking balls that guys are throwing nowadays. Maybe hitters getting a little bit more aggressive, but at the same time, the walk rate's gone up. So everybody just kind of making some adjustments here at this point in time, but we are seeing an increase in batting average, an increase in BABIP. That's up nine points this month. And just generally more balls in play, a higher number of walks, more base runners, more chances with a man in scoring position, all of that. So offense is up this month. You know, in 123 games in the month of May, 1,157 runs, 9.4 runs per game. Up quite a bit here so far from what we saw in the month of April, up almost a run per game, actually. So we're still seeing totals getting bent down out there in the marketplace but scoring has gone up here for this month. So that is something that you want to consider. 
and something that you want to take a look at. And lastly, one other potential cause here is that, man, we've had a lot of pitcher injuries, a lot of guys going on the IL. Uh, you know, we've had some guys kind of go on the COVID IL, maybe miss a couple of days of appearances out of the bullpen, something like that. But, you know, we've seen a lot of minor league call-ups here, a lot of roster shuffling, spot starts, teams giving guys extra rest, all those different sorts of things. That could be playing a role as well. But really what I wanted to point out here primarily is that offense is up in the month of May. And I don't necessarily see anything that suggests that the baseball is playing differently. As I mentioned, batted ball distance has gone down a little bit. Although part of the reason behind that is that the ground ball percentage is up almost 2% this month. And the fly ball percentage is down 2% this month. So that will have a negative impact on the average distance of the baseball with more ground balls. But again, as I said, it seems like everybody kind of working through the adjustments, trying to play the cards that they've been dealt for this season. And just the primary takeaway here is that offense is up, strikeouts are down, and that is creating some more opportunities to bat with men in scoring position. want to talk about some teams here that are kind of lagging behind a little bit, maybe some positive or negative regression teams based on hard contact. Now, I talked about this last week on the show, actually on last Thursday's show, comparing year over year batting performance on hard contact, where the batting average and weighted on base average are down quite considerably this season on batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour and also batted balls of 100 plus miles per hour. And when we look at an update here for Monday, the batting average still the same on batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour at 482. Woba down a point to 609 from where it was on Thursday. The league average on batted balls of 100 plus miles per hour, the batting average actually gone down a point from Thursday to 580. Woba has stayed the same at 765. So just to reiterate here, on batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour, The league is hitting 482 with a 609 Woba. On batted balls of 100 plus miles per hour, the league is hitting 580 with a 765 Woba. Again, lots of numbers coming your way on today's show. Email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com if you want to get on the list for the show notes from the betters box, and I will send those out here today. But the overall number of 95 plus batted balls, four teams this season, the top 10, the Padres, 375, Red Sox, 368, Astros, 363, Yankees, 357, Twins, 351, Braves, 348, Dodgers, 346, Blue Jays, 345, Rangers, 342, Cardinals, 335. So when you look at the top eight teams here in batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour, Padres, no surprise, Red Sox, no surprise, Astros, Yankees, Twins, Braves, Dodgers, Blue Jays, all very good offensive teams all teams that are making a lot of loud, violent contact, as you would expect. The teams in the bottom 10 here, Mets, 267. They've also played fewer games than anybody else in Major League Baseball, so that's part of it here with a counting step. Pirates, 278. Tigers, 292. Mariners, 297. Rockies, 298. White Sox, 303. Marlins, 306. Cubs, 306. Orioles and Nationals, both 307. So a lot of bad offenses on paper on that list. The Pirates, the Tigers, the Mariners, uh, the Rockies offense is bad, but Coors Field kind of improves their numbers a little bit. 
Marlins offense sucks. The Orioles offense is below average. So again, when you think about the good offenses here in Major League Baseball, a lot of it has to do with the quality of contact that they make. And this season, quality contact has not been rewarded to the same degree that it usually is. We look at the overall number of 100 plus mile per hour batted balls. A lot of the same teams here, the Padres, Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, Twins, Braves, Astros. The Cardinals are a bit of a surprise. I talked about that last week. The Rangers also a surprise here. And the Dodgers, teams you would expect to make a lot of hard contact. The bottom of that list, a lot of the same teams we already talked about. The Mets, Pirates, Reds, Marlins, Rockies, Mariners. The Giants are on this list. Diamondbacks, A's, Tigers, and White Sox. Those are your bottom 10 in terms of batted balls of 100 plus miles per hour. And even in this depressed offensive environment, contact quality still matters. I mean, you're still going to get more hits on a 100 mile per hour batted ball than you will on a 95, and certainly more than you will on a 90 or an 85, something like that. So the quality of contact still matters. It just hasn't mattered to the same degree so far this season that it usually does. But what I want to look at here today are extremes. On the batting average side, for 95-plus mile-per-hour batted balls and also 100-plus mile-per-hour batted balls to see if we can put together a profile of a team in line for positive regression or a team in line for negative regression. So the top five teams in batting average on batted balls of 95-plus miles per hour The Rockies at 534. Again, Coors Field plays a big role in that. Red Sox, 532. Not a surprise. Making lots of hard contact, lots of good offensive players. Not a surprise. The Reds at 525. Now remember, the Reds here are a team not making a ton of extreme hard contact, but they're doing really well in the batting average department. That's probably an offense I would look for some regression from. The Rangers at 5'10", they're making a lot of hard contact too. Not something I necessarily believe in with them. I kind of thought they'd be one of the worst teams in baseball. So I do think that they are overachieving a little bit here. And the Angels at 5'09". Now remember, league average on batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour is 482. So the Rockies, well above that. 52 points above that. Red Sox, 50 points above that. Reds, well above. Rangers, well above. Again, one of the things I talked about very early on in the season here is that the most extreme outliers tend to regress to the mean, which brings me to the bottom teams in batting average of batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour. My Indians, 414. Remember, league average is 482. The Indians are 68 points below that. That should improve. The Padres, 425. Remember, the Padres have hit the highest number of batted balls of 95-plus miles per hour, and they are 29th in batting average in that batted ball type. The Mets at 445. Dodgers, 456. Dodgers are, again, a team that's 7th in number of 95-plus batted balls, but they're 27th in batting average. And the Pirates at 457. So... The Indians, Padres, Dodgers are all pretty significant positive regression teams, in my opinion, based on the hard contact that they've made here so far this season. I think the Indians, Padres, and Dodgers 
are all play on teams offensively at this point in time. And the Padres are dead last in Woba at 508. Remember, league average for Woba, 609. The Padres are 100 points below the league average in weighted on base average of 95 plus mile per hour batted balls. And they've hit the most of them for this season. That San Diego offense is absolutely a positive regression candidate. So I would very much look for them to start having more success offensively sooner rather than later. We get the top teams in Woba on 95 plus mile per hour batted balls. Reds, they're a regression candidate to me. Red Sox, very good offense. Angels, a lot of that has to do with Mike Trout. Rockies, Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, probably a negative regression candidate here as well. But really, to me, the big thing, the Padres are a massive positive regression candidate on the offensive side. And I don't know when it'll happen, but it should happen soon. And maybe if they go to some better hitting environments on the road, something like that. But this Padres team, based on a lot of the underlying metrics that are out there, should be a lot better than they've been here so far. The Mets are another one. The Indians are another one. And also, I think the Dodgers offensively should be better than they are. And they did get a little bit of positive regression in that department here uh, over the past week. Now, the top teams in 100-plus mile-per-hour batting average, Reds at 643, Giants 637, Red Sox 632, Mariners 627, and the Marlins making an appearance here at 622. The problem for some of these teams, like the Mariners, like the Marlins, like even the Reds, is that they don't make a lot of high-velocity contact. So that's something you want to factor into the equation here as well, that they are an extreme, but they also don't do a lot of it. So their negative regression could be a little bit more significant as a result. The bottom teams here, Indians making another appearance, 513. Remember, league average, batting average, batted balls of 100 plus miles per hour, 580. The Indians are at 513. The Royals, 533. The Padres making another appearance here at 534. So what we're looking at here, and I've got a lot more notes, and again, at skatingtripods at gmail.com if you want to look at the notes here. The Padres are a huge positive regression candidate on offense. Didn't mention them a whole lot, but the Yankees have the fourth most batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour, but they are 23rd in batting average and WOBA in that department. So Looking mostly at positive regression teams here, but the Padres, Indians, Mets, Yankees, and Dodgers, all positive regression teams on the offensive side. Some negative regression teams based on the contact quality. The White Sox, I think, are a negative regression team. Uh, They're really living on BABIP once again, living on that ground ball heavy style. I don't know how long that continues. The Reds, a negative regression candidate as well. Probably the Giants, to a degree, also would be another team I'd be looking at for some negative regression on offense. But again, just trying to put together these comprehensive profiles here of some teams that are in line for improvement and some teams I would look at for some decreases. So positive regression on offense. Padres, Indians, Dodgers, Yankees. And like I said, probably to some degree, I'd also be looking at the Mets. And on the negative regression side, White Sox, Reds and Giants. So we'll see if this comes to fruition as we move forward here, but it is something that's very much 
on my radar at this point in time. And again, skatingtripods at gmail.com for the notes for the Better's Box shows here. Sabermetric stat of the show is BSR. This is the Fangraph's all-encompassing base running metric. And frankly, with what we've seen here so far this season, home runs are increasing a little bit to a degree, but they are down quite a bit from the last couple of seasons. Hits are more limited. Base running value could mean more now at this point in time. And you can use that BSR metric over at Fangraphs to check that out. And BSR encompasses weighted stolen base runs, ultimate base running, and weighted grounded into double play runs. So that'll be something for you to read up on if you want. I won't go that deep into it here on today's show. But one thing I do want to mention here is that the stolen base rate is 77% this season. And it's generally around 72 or 73% for the break-even rate for stealing second. And what that means is the value of moving up a base versus the value of getting thrown out. But this year, we're at 77% across the board. So the stolen base has become a weapon so far this season. And we'll see if that continues to be a trend. But with what's happening here with this offensive environment, base running value could mean a little bit more at this point in time. And when you look at the team that's on top, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Pirates do not profile as a good team really in any way, shape, or form. But they are creating some base running value here. They do have 4.4 base running runs above average this season. So that's been a positive thing for them. On the flip side, the Twins, who are second with 4.3, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the Twins, but a lot of things just aren't really working out for them. Rockies are third, 3.7. Royals fourth, 3.6. And the Padres, 3.4. So again, the Padres, a positive regression team on offense, they also run the bases very well. So once they start getting some more of those positive outcomes, I would expect that San Diego offense to really take off here uh, in the not-too-distant future. Teams in the bottom of this BSR metric, the Yankees are minus 6 in this department. Giants minus 5.6. Tigers minus 5.1. That team does absolutely nothing, right? The Mets minus 4.5. And the Rangers minus 3.3. So the Pirates, the best base running team, according to this Fangraphs metric right now, they've only hit 22 home runs. But they've been able to create some offense, generate some offense with their base running. So I think this metric is important to look at with teams that don't hit for a lot of power, maybe something to put into your considerations with starting pitchers that you know don't get a lot of strikeouts, pitch to a lot of contact, allow a lot of walks, allow a lot of hits, something like that. You know, it may just be one of those years where we do have to go a couple layers deeper and look at the base running stats. Look at the defensive metrics that I talked about last week because offense is down. And even though offense has increased here this month, largely a byproduct of that decrease in strikeout percentage, The ball is what the ball is going to be, I think, for the rest of the season here. So we may need to start looking at some different metrics to try and handicap the game on a little bit of a deeper level. So we go to the the down-the-line segment here, and I've seen several instances of games in the marketplace where a pitcher has an ERA, FIP, XFIP discrepancy, and the market doesn't move on that guy. You know, usually we've seen... A guy with a low ERA, a higher FIP, and a higher XFIP, money comes in against him. Guy with a high ERA, lower FIP, lower XFIP, 
money comes in on him. But that really hasn't been the case to the same degree this season as we've seen in past seasons. It's no longer a telltale factor for line movement out there in the marketplace. And maybe we're seeing more moves on Woba minus X Woba. Maybe it's just more of an offensively driven market, something like that. But it used to be, you could look at a guy with a five ERA, a 350 FIP and a 350 X FIP and know that money was coming in on that guy. That is no longer the case in major league baseball. So we'll see what happens with that as we go forward. But you know, one of the shortcuts to determining line moves out there in the marketplace seems to have gone by the wayside here. Friday, it was a light day for line movement. We saw the Rangers take money. That was Mike fulton against the Mariners and Chris Flexen. Mariners did cash as a dog there. But I can tell you that based on the line movement that we've seen over the last week or so for the Mariners, they have been isolated as a fade team. The market is very much looking to go against them. There's an anti-sentiment out there for the Mariners because they've left some guys down in the minor leagues and all of that. Uh, There's just not a lot of people that like this team right now going forward. And also they've got that fly ball heavy approach in a season where fly balls are not carrying. So that could be part of it as well, but a lot of money coming in against the Mariners, not just in this series against the Rangers, but overall here over the last couple of weeks. So the Astros take some money. That was a fate of Ross Stripling. I believe that was Jose or Kitty on Friday uh, for the Astros in that one. Not a lot of market confidence in Stripling right now. Not a whole lot in the Blue Jays in general. Uh, They've kind of underachieved offensively. They've had some injuries on the pitching side. Uh, Their starting staff has regressed to the mean quite a bit here of late. Not a whole lot of confidence in the Blue Jays at this point in time. The Rays and Rich Hill, they took some money on Friday against the A's and Sean Manaya. You won't find me betting on Rich Hill very often. Interesting line move there, too, because the A's used to take money with regularity against left-handed starting pitchers. Uh, Not so much the case here for this season. Saturday and Sunday, and basically in every game they've played on the road so far, money has come in against the Rockies. Uh, The Rockies have been putrid on the road. I think they've won twice on the road in 16 games, something like that. They've been really awful on the road. They're not hitting. They're not scoring. They're not doing really anything in their road games. So money just keeps pouring in against Colorado on the road. And I don't really think that that's going to change here anytime soon. Saturday, we saw some money come in on the Cubs and Trevor Williams against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Colin Moran going on the IL for the Pirates. They're already without Cabrian Hayes and Cabrian Hayes was moved to the 60 day DL so that they could open up a 40 man roster spot. They actually claimed Ben Gamble from the Indians with that spot. But the Pirates lineup just looks worse day by day, and they've been faded a lot here in the marketplace. And the reason that I highlight a lot of these teams is because when teams are getting bet against consistently on a day when it doesn't happen, that should sound alarm bells in your head. So something that you definitely want to take a look at here, you know, if the Rockies take money on the road for some reason, somebody with influence really likes the Rockies in that game. You know, if the Mariners take money, Somebody really likes the Mariners in that game. Something that defies one of these market trends of teams getting bet against day after day after day. Something you really want to pay attention to out there in the betting market. The A's took money on Saturday against Tyler Glasnow. A little bit of a surprise there in that one. Glasnow was actually really good. The only two hits he gave up were both home runs. I was on the Rays in that one. That was another loser 
uh, for this season. But uh, surprising to see money come in against Glass now in that one, especially because aces get bet with regularity almost every time out. Glass now being one of those guys. But the A's took money in that one. Probably should have been a sign for me in that game. Jose Barrios took some money against the Tigers on Saturday, but man, the Twins just, they cannot get out of their own way. I, I don't know what's wrong with this team. Remember early in the week last week, the Twins were playing the Rangers and Minnesota took money in every one of those games and they got swept in that series. I, I don't know what it is with this Twins team. They check all the boxes as a positive regression team, but for some reason, they just can't string together any wins. So maybe the market kind of given up on them a little bit here. I guess we'll kind of see as they open up a series this week against the Chicago White Sox. The Indians took money on Saturday. That was Aaron Savale against Luis Castillo. And that was one of those opposite ERA and FIP moves. Savale, an ERA in the threes, a FIP in the fours. Castillo, an ERA in the sixes with a FIP in the low to mid fours. Usually you would see money come in on a guy like Castillo in a game like that day after the Indians got no hit by Wade Miley, but money came in on Savale and made the Indians a clear favorite. And that wound up being the right side there as Cleveland won that game comfortably with myself in attendance. So uh, I'm one to know the Indians are scoring nine runs a game in the games that I go to here so far this season. Sunday was part of the move on the Marlins. That was Sandy Alcantara, Alcantara against uh, Brett Anderson. Uh, the Marlins lose that game in extra innings. As I mentioned, a fade of the Rockies on the road continued on Sunday. I do think that the market views Chicago as a mild fade candidate. The White Sox were bet against in that series against the Royals really a couple of times. And the true litmus test will be what happens in this series here against the Twins this week. Does the market bet on Minnesota and fade Chicago? Because Minnesota, again, shows all the signs of being better than they are. I think the White Sox are overachieving right now. And we did see some Royals money late in that series. Do we get Twins money here against the White Sox? I think we do. I don't know if the Twins win. I don't know if they reward the confidence of their backers in that series. But I do think the Twins take money in these games, starting with this Tuesday night game, where it's going to be Kenta Maeda on the hill against Dylan Cease. So I do think the Twins take money this week. If you like the Twins, I'm guessing betting them early is the play. I don't know that for sure, but that's kind of what I'm looking at here in this series for the Twins and the White Sox. Once again on Sunday, as I talked about already, money came in against the Mariners. That was on Dane Dunning against Justice Sheffield. Uh, The Rangers are now 12-4 and against left-handed starters. I don't know how. They're 20th and weighted on base average against lefties, but they're 12-4, and so... You know, I don't know. I uh, I had the first five under in that one. one nothing through four, and then an eight-run fifth. So uh, kind of a microcosm of my baseball season as a whole. Monday, only one play for me, only six games on the card here. Tyler Mayo is taking money for the Reds against the Pirates. Now, again, Colin Moran is out for the Pirates. Their lineup looks deplorably bad. Probably see that 10 to 15-cent move against the Pirates in their upcoming games while Moran is on the DL. Uh, He's their second best hitter by Woba and pretty clearly at that. So, you know, we talk about the modeling crowd and the influence that they have on the marketplace. You take a big hitter out of the lineup and that will have a pretty significant impact. But Tyler Mayo shows some injury indicators for me. 
Velocity was down in his last start. Spin rates were down. He was up over 95 miles per hour on average with his fastball velocity in his first two starts. Hasn't come close to that. Two of his last three starts under 94 miles per hour on average. I think Tyler Mayo is dealing with something. And I don't know if it's something mechanical or something injury-related, something physical. But I took over 7.5 in that game. Even with that bad Pirates offense, because I think something is wrong with Tyler Mayo. And he didn't pitch well in his last start against the Cubs. Gave up three home runs over his five innings. First time we've really seen the command profile look bad for Mayo. So I think something's going on here with him. So I took a stab on the over seven and a half in that one. Padre is taking some money here. That's Denilson Lamont against Antonio Senzatella. Not sure I could touch this game with a 10-foot pull. Senzatella coming off the I.L., Lamont's only worked four innings so far this season. He will not work deep into this one, but the Padres are taking some money in that one. And then lastly here, the Giants taking some money in this late game tonight against the Texas Rangers. Uh, That one is Kyle Gibson and Alex Wood. Kyle Gibson, you know, I wrote about him a lot in today's article. Learned a cutter last year. Spin rates are up. Velocity's up a little bit. Command seems to be a lot better. Maybe there's some staying power with the start to the season that Kyle Gibson has had here so far. Alex Wood, he's almost always been good when he's been healthy and when he's been out there. So an interesting game tonight at Oracle Park, but money has come in on the Giants in that one. For the week ahead, before I preview a few series here, want to mention a few pitchers that I think are in line for some negative regression. There are 10 qualified pitchers Qualified, meaning qualified for the ERA title based on the number of innings pitched that they have. 10 qualified pitchers with left on base percentage marks of 87% or higher. They are John Means, Huascar Inoa, Hugh Darvish, Max Scherzer, Michael Pineda, Trevor Bauer, Danny Duffy, Mike Fultonevich, Kevin Gaussman, Tyler Glasnow. There are probably some fade or some over options here. I think John Means being one of them, nothing against him. He's been great, but just natural regression. He also has a 158 BABIP against. That will not stick around. So John Means is a fade guy for me. We'll see what he's priced like in his next start. Who Oscar Inoa has been great, but he's also a two-pitch pitcher. So that's a a profile that I kind of worry about. I think Pineda is a regression guy for sure. Danny Duffy as well. Mike Fultonevich, certainly. So I think that there are some guys in that list that you can look to go against here, not only this week, but in subsequent weeks here as well. We take a look at some guys with some low BABIPs as well. John Means, as I mentioned, 158. Wade Miley, 162. Trevor Bauer, 188. Brandon Woodruff, 209. Kevin Gaussman, 211. Same for Glass now. 221 for Pineda and Enoa, 223 for Di Sclafani and Scherzer. Again, left on base percentage and BABIP never reach a statistically significant sample size. They never reach a point of reliability. They will always be subject to regression, whether that's positive or negative, subject to a lot of variance. So extreme left on base percentage marks, both on the high side and on the low side, are things I would expect to regress to the mean. So I just talked about 10 guys at 87% or higher. Means, Inoa, Darvish, Scherzer, Pineda, Bauer, Duffy, Fultonevich, Gaussman, and Glasnow. 
There are also eight guys that have a left on base percentage under 65%. So again, big extremes here as well. Austin Gomber, 48.8. Luis Castillo, 54. Charlie Morton, 58.1. Dylan Bundy, 60. Nate Uvalde, 60.8. Mike Miner, 61.6. Carlos Martinez, 63. Ryan Yarborough, 63.2. There's some pretty good pitchers there in Castillo and Morton and Bundy and Yovaldi and Yarborough. Guys that I would expect to see positive regression from in the not-too-distant future. Again, very low left-on-base percentage marks for them in an era where strikeouts are higher than ever, again, and offensive performance is way down. So I would anticipate that the guys on the low end here would see their degrees of regression come to fruition much, much quicker than the high-sided guys. So I think coming up, you want to look to bet on Charlie Morton and Dylan Bundy and Nate Yavaldi and Ryan Yarbrough. I think those are guys that we do want to bet on here for this week. And with that said, we go to the Yankees and Rays series. We're on Tuesday. We've got Ryan Yarbrough on the mound for the Rays against Jordan Montgomery. Two guys I really like, two guys I expect to be a lot better than they've been here so far. So maybe an underlook for me on Tuesday. We'll see what that total looks like. But Yarborough in that one with that 63.2% left on base percentage, maybe with it being the Yankees, we get an opener for Yarborough. So we'll see if that winds up being the case. But uh, Tuesday, a game I'm very much interested in. Wednesday, Garrett Cole and Josh Fleming, maybe an opener for Fleming on Wednesday. We'll have to wait and see. And Jamison Tyon and Rich Hill on Thursday here. Interesting series down at the Trop. Lots of Yankee fans down in Florida. So there will be a pro Yankees crowd for whatever that's worth. There always is when the Yankees take on the Rays. But I do like the two guys on Tuesday. We'll have a big line for Garrett Cole in Wednesday's game. Thursday's a tough handicap with Tyon and Hill. Do like Tyon a lot more than Hill, I would say. But Tyon's a guy that, you know, still kind of working through some of those adjustments with the Yankees. So uh, I have to look into his stats a little bit more here. The A's, they're making the long trip east to take on the Boston Red Sox. We've got Chris Bassett and Nate Yovaldi on Tuesday. Yovaldi, 60.8% left on base percentage, positive regression candidate guy. We'll see if that comes to fruition there in that one. A's have not yet named a starter for Wednesday, but it will be Eduardo Rodriguez for the Red Sox. And then Sean Manaya and Garrett Richards coming up here on Thursday. I think Oakland's offensive style will play better at Fenway Park. The Red Sox, they're simply hitting everything in sight. But we could see some higher scoring games here in this series. Maybe even the first tough start for Eduardo Rodriguez on Wednesday. So that may be something that you want to look for, something that you want to handicap in this series at Fenway Park. The Twins and the White Sox here. Kenta Maeda, Dylan Cease on Tuesday. Jay Happ and Dallas Keuchel Wednesday. Michael Pineda, Carlos Rodon on Thursday. I think Pineda is a negative regression guy. So I kind of like the White Sox on Thursday a little bit, looking at it from this far in advance. But as I said, I could argue that these are two teams in line for opposite sides of the regression coin. I think the Twins should be better. I think the White Sox are playing over their heads a little bit. So do we see that line movement in the marketplace? Do the Twins get this thing figured out? I don't know. But I'll be very interested to see what happens in this series and also what happens with the line movements in this series. 
Lastly, the Marlins and the Diamondbacks. This one starts tonight down at Chase Field. We'll see a combination of Jordan Holloway and Luis Madero for the Marlins tonight. And then, of course, they'll kind of cobble together whatever they can with the late innings in that game. Luke Weaver going for the Diamondbacks tonight. Pablo Lopez and Madison Bumgarner on Tuesday. Great one there. Not as good as uh, Trevor Rogers and Zach Gallen on Wednesday. Great pitching matchup in that one. And Thursday, Daniel Castano is listed for the Marlins against Merrill Kelly. But Castano was sent down after his start on Saturday. Uh, I think there's still a 10-day rule in play unless somebody goes on the IL. So Castano probably won't start that game on Thursday. Maybe Edward Cabrera gets the call. But the Marlins, they have three starters right now in Lopez, Rogers, and Alcantara. And that's it. They don't have anything else. So they're really trying to figure some things out here. But a couple of good pitching matchups in the middle two games of this series. They're running back Miami's sweep of Arizona last week down in South Florida. So we'll see if there's any good value in this series. But Lopez Bumgarner and Rogers and Gallon look like two very good games here on Tuesday and Wednesday. As I said, Brian Blessing will join me on Tuesday. We'll talk a little bit about the Preakness, a little bit about the NHL playoffs, a little bit about golf, maybe work in some NASCAR at Dover. All kinds of good stuff coming your way on that Tuesday show. Remember, beginning Wednesday and running through next Tuesday, no MLB article over at the website. I just won't have the time to dedicate to it. The whole process of writing, researching, and editing is about a three and a half hour process. Uh, and that's with two screens and being in my home office. So not going to have the time to dedicate to that. I apologize, but I will have the betters box on Thursday and also on Monday. So I will be able to record the show just not do the daily article uh, over the next week, beginning on Wednesday. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.